Hello? Is that, can you hear me? Is that just my voice or the mic? <laughs> Be seated. Because it's going to take us 10 minutes to work this out. Are we on? We good? Praise God. Welcome to church. Everyone excited? I'm not. It's a lot of work for me. I'm going to sit and study and come here and I'm joking. I love the Word of God. I love Jesus. Everyone say, Jesus is Lord. I'm here by the grace of God, the unmerited favour. I don't deserve it. I can't buy it. I can't inherit it. I can't steal it. Or the lips said, can't steal it. I just receive it by faith. I don't deserve it, but He's the one, Jesus, that gives us grace. Amen. So now we're going to understand the miracle working power of grace. Amen. At the beginning, I want to say that grace is a person. It is something that we receive, but it's received by the knowledge and the faith in the finished work of the cross through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen? Amen? Unfortunately, grace has been preached a lot and knowingly or unknowingly, it's a cover-up for sin. I've done it. Where we do something, oh, I'm not under law, I'm under grace. That's true. But if I'm really under grace, if I'm really submitted to what Jesus has done for me, grace is the empowering for me to get over all my struggles and hurdles. Yes, I have been saved by grace. Unmerited favour, meaning I don't deserve it. He gave it to me freely. Amen? There is nothing you can do to earn your salvation. He came, died on the cross, and we put our faith and trust in Him. Amen? A lot of people out there teaching that you can be saved because Jesus died for all mankind, for God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him should per not perish but have everlasting life. And they say that Jesus already went to the cross 2,000 years ago as Adam. That's true. Jesus killed the Adam species, mankind on the cross 2,000 years ago. True. So in Christ, all of humanity died, past, present and future. That's true. But unless you bow in the knee to the Lord and unless you accept Him as your Saviour, you're not receiving grace. You're still under the punishment and the curse of, of Adam and under the law. Are you with me? You just don't get saved because Jesus just died. There's a false teaching out there at the moment. It's called universalism or all-inclusive where God has saved us all and they don't deny the cross. They just deny that you have to be a part of uh, 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 repent and receive Him. You've, it's done. And He loves you just the way you are. God does love you just the way you are. Amen? Loves everyone. But who wants to stay in the same state that you were born in? The Bible says we were born out of, the, uh, out of sin. We have a sin nature. We are born of Adam, mankind. Amen? And Jesus comes and dies on a cross as Adam, as the son of man, so we can become the children of God. God doesn't leave us the way we are. He wants to transform us into His image. Amen? In the Old Testament, there was grace. You look at it through the whole Old Testament. And then the law came. God showed mercy and grace in the Old Testament. All the way from Adam, all the way up to the time Jesus came. 
When the law was given, there was a way out. You could sin, but there was ceremonial laws and sacrificial laws that would make a way for you to be forgiven. The only difference between Genesis and Malachi is God showed mercy and grace throughout the Scripture. But there's one thing you couldn't do. He could wipe away your sins for a certain time in the Old Testament, but you were still the same person. Your nature never changed. Your conscience never changed. But when Jesus came, everyone say Jesus. He fulfilled the law and died in my place that when He rose again, He could give me His life. Now that now I, now I am saved, I'm full of grace and mercy. He's washed me with His blood. And now I partake of His nature. I am a new species. Everyone seems to know that I'm very excited. Because grace is not a cover-up for sin. It's not something I hide under because I'm under grace. Because I'm Grace is a person named Jesus. Amen. So let's go. We'll start this scripture and then we'll get into it. And I want to show you what grace is. Grace is a teaching. Rab's touched on that scripture on Wednesday, and and um, grace is an, is many facets of Jesus. Okay, that's that's before I jump the gun. Let's go to Hebrews chapter one and verse one to four. It's up there, beautiful. So God, in I'm reading from the New King James. I used to use the um the um. The LEB Bible. The Lebanese edited Bible. <laughs> I used to. God, who in various times and in various ways spoke in the past to the fathers by the prophets, has these days now spoken by, to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds who being in the brightness of the glory and the expression image of his person and upholding all things by his word of his power when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of majesty on high, having become so much better than angels and has, uh, he has, uh, has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than, name than they. He's saying here that Jesus... And if you look at it in its nutshell, he was saying in the old days, God spoke to his people through prophets, through mediators. And if we can go a bit further and say, the, the prophet of God would bring God's word down to the people. And the priest would bring what minister from the people to God. So God would bring a word down from the prophets and say, this is what I want. This is what's going on. This is a warning. This is a judgment. This is edification. And then the priest would do his ceremonies and he would minister to God on behalf of the people. But in these latter days, he's now chosen to speak to us through his son, Jesus. Amen. See, if you don't have a, we said this last week, if you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus and to, to come into relationship and come into fellowship, you still want to hear from the prophets. You still want to hear from the Old Testament. And we have prophets and we have apostles. Don't get me wrong. We have teachers. But what I'm trying to say to you is that how are you going to be conformed and transformed into the image of Jesus if you don't know Him? All you want to do is be forgiven and hide under a covering of grace and never be empowered to live your life in the fullness. Amen. God hasn't designed you to be on this earth just to struggle. 
although we do go through struggles. God hasn't put you on this earth so you can go through tribulation, although we do go through tribulations. God hasn't put you on your earth to suffer, although we do go from some sufferings. God has put you on the earth to glorify His name because His name needs to be glorified upon the earth. Are you with me? Romans 3, 21 to 24. Amen. But, but now righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. For there is no difference, for all have sinned and fall, fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely by grace, through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ. This scripture in Romans is talking about just what um, Hebrews talked about. The law was holy and righteous. Amen. The prophets and the law was holy. Jesus said, from the law and the prophets are unto John, John the Baptist. But now one better has come. I've come to fulfill the law and the prophets. Everything that's written against you has been fulfilled. Now, a lot of us, I look around the room, I don't know everyone here, but most of us weren't Jews. If there's a Jew in the room, welcome. Antoine, please. <laughs> if the Jews are under the covenant and the, and the law, the Mosaic law, but if you weren't a Jew, you were considered a Gentile. You weren't under any of those covenants or any of those laws. So if the law, was, if the law was given to them through the covenant of Moses, then all the promises belong to them. But you've got to understand something. As long the covenant belongs to them, so the curses belong to them. If they break the law, they come under a curse. Are you with me? They got to keep the law and fulfill the law, the Mosaic law, the sacrificial law, the moral law. But we as Gentiles weren't part of that covenant. So we say, well, we're not under that. We're sweet. No, we're not. We're under the curse of Adam. Adam sinned and curse came upon the earth. Here he's talking about now that you're justified freely through the righteousness of God, that the law and the prophets was holy, but one more holy has come, named Jesus. And we're in Him and we are redeemed because of Him. That is the grace, the saving grace, the justification, just as if I have never sinned. I was speaking to someone the other day and he can tell me all his sins. And in a sense, he's aware of his struggles and his sins. He couldn't tell me what Jesus did for him. He could tell me what he's doing wrong, but he could never tell me what Jesus did right. And I said, brother, you are more sin conscious than God conscious. And it's all right to come to a place that I'm a sinner, I'm a dirty, rotten sinner, I've messed up. But you know, at what point do you now bow the knee, turn your face and say, but Jesus is my righteousness. At what point do I say, oh, and you know what? Because some people like to have a pity party with their sin. They don't like it, but you know what? They like to hang on to it because it's safe. That's all I know. And how are you going to move forward in the things of God when you want to drag the past with you? But if I start focusing, don't, no one ever, look, no one here thinks, is there any seats for everyone? Is it, no? Capacity crowd today. Well, I'm not footy on though. Sorry. Come and sit. I get nervous when people stand at the back like, If I was to say to you now, pink elephants, don't think of pink elephants. What did you just think of? (laughs) 
we are trained from birth because of the fall. We are trained to absorb everything that's negative because our nature that's running the show is the sin nature, the fleshly nature. Everything that's negative we'll go to. And God, the Father through Jesus speaks a lot about do not worry, do not fear. Throughout the whole Scripture, just believe. Why? Because we are trained to believe all the negative. And we have been through stuff and we've seen stuff and we've been through traumas. And that's, I'm not saying we're not denying what we've been through. But can I say this to you? What I meditate on, I become. But Jesus says here, any man come unto me, I'll never put to shame. Any man come unto me, I'll give him the gift of life. So who wants to live in darkness and in trauma and in, and in depression and in poverty and, and then live in sin when God says, I've got a better way over here? Just believe. It's very easy to find the faults in others and in yourself, but can you tell me what Jesus has done? Can you tell me? Can you tell me if I was to ask you what grace is? Most of us would say the favour of God, the mercy of God, salvation, the love of God, forgiveness of God. What about the justification of God? That He justifies you just as if you have never sinned. See, we don't have a sin problem. We have a God problem because we edify our sin nature greater than our new nature that God put in us, which is God's nature. We can't do that without the power of the Holy Spirit. You can get all the laws and all your behavior modifications and you can say no to this and I'm not doing that and I'm not watching this and not that and inside you're burning because inside that the one that's running the show is the old nature, the flesh. And God says put it to death because the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. When Adam sinned in the garden and he covered himself, with, we read it like, oh, Adam, where are you? Like God didn't know where he was. <laughs> what are you doing, Adam? Where are you hiding? As if God didn't know where he was. He says, I'm, uh, uh, I'm, I'm naked. He goes, how do you know you're naked? What have you done? I reckon it was like thunderbolts. What have you done? Because the Bible says in Romans, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. What he had done was release the law of sin and death on the earth. Because God didn't curse the earth, contrary to what people think. God says, because of you, Adam, the earth is cursed. And now law and sin and death is reigning through mankind. And the law was only given, like I said, to point them to Jesus, to show them it's a mirror. Who can keep the law? Nobody. But Jesus comes and says, I have come to give you life and life more abundant. That the grace of God saves me, he justifies me, and the grace of God also enables me and teaches me. So when I say grace, think of this. Think of Jesus. If I say grace, think of Jesus. Let's go to Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2. I'm trying to build a foundation here. I'm trying to get you to believe I can sit here and tell you all my struggles. I can sit here and tell you all my failures. I can sit here what I've been through in my testimony. But my testimony won't change you. The testimony of Jesus will change you. My, my story is great, but it won't change your life. The testimony of Jesus. I heard my old mentor tell me once, he said, she was talking to us in a group and we're, you know, you, you, know you go through peaks and troughs and you, you're on fire for God, then you're down in the dumps and on fire for God. And, and that's okay, that's life. 
But when you go and revert to the same old story every time, after year, after year, after year, it's like the Israelites were meant to be in the promised land and just go around the mountain year after year after year. And one day she said this very simple thing. She says, until I can hear his story for your story, you're not healed. Until you change your story for his story, you're not delivered. I might be struggling. I might be suffering. I might be done. I need help and we're here to help. But ultimately, if you, don't, if you can't tell me what Jesus has done, all you're telling me is what the devil's done. See, I need to tell you. See, I don't want to tell you what I know. I want to tell you about who I know. I don't want to tell you what I've been through. I want to tell you about what Jesus has been through. See, if I can change my mind to the things of Christ and things start to fall away, why? No longer I live, but Christ lives in me. Grace. So I want to cover up for sin. Devil loves to isolate you. The Bible says the devil will isolate you to your own destruction. Is there time to be alone? Yeah, there's time to be separate and have time alone. There's times that you know to find out where you are. But that time alone can end up being isolation, ends up being destruction. Because I can't I can't chop off my left arm and and then my whole body is chop off my left foot and, and say, I'm all right. He's just in isolation for a while. We're part of the body of Christ. And once we take ourselves out of the body, the body doesn't function anymore. And you can't function outside the body. Are you with me? Titus says this. Titus says, teaching us that denying ungodliness, before that it says grace. Sorry, what's the, what's the verse before it? Intermission. I put her on the spot, sorry. For the grace of God that brings salvation us has appeared to all men. Next. Teaching us that teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age. Grace, Rab says this a lot. Grace is a teaching. So I receive grace, it's a gift. It's a gift. I can't earn it. Are we in agreement? We're saved by the blood of Jesus. That's the start. That's only the start. Now grace teaches me how to, un, to deny ungodliness, how to live holy and righteous in this present age. See, things like being sober, things of being diligent, guarding your heart, all these other things that we read is to keep us, not to get us more salvation, to get us more holy, to keep us on that road so we can still hear from the Holy Ghost, so we can be led by the Holy Spirit, so we don't gratify the lust of the flesh. Because the flesh, all it wants to do is go back to the old. It does. It goes back to default in two seconds if you let it. It's a teaching. Grace, the person of Jesus, is the great teacher. You know, um, grace... The grace of God not only saves us, not only delivers us, it also empowers us. And I don't think I got it here, but the Apostle Paul had a thorn in the flesh. And he asked God three times. He begged him, Lord, take this from me. And what did Jesus say to him? My grace is sufficient, for I am strong in your weakness. Or while you are weak, I am strong. I'm not here to debate what the thought in the flesh is, all right? The point is, he was saying, this, it's a messenger from Satan to buffet him for his revelation. In other words, the devil come after him because of the revelation to try and stop him of what he was preaching because he was changing the world. 
He was uncontrollable, the Apostle Paul. Did Paul have more anointing than Peter, the Apostle Peter? Does anyone believe that? Did Paul have more anointing than the Apostle John? Did Paul have any more anointing to Thomas? Now, I'm not comparing everyone, but I'm just saying. Paul, the Apostle Paul, wasn't one of the 12. The Apostle Paul met Christ on the, on the road to Damascus. The Apostle Paul got revelation. He was a Jew of all Jews. If everyone was going to be religious, it would be Paul. He was from the tribe of Benjamin. He gave his whole credentials, circumcised on the eighth day. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Pharisee of all Pharisees. Um, you know, my teacher is um, Mary Poppins. I don't know, I forgot his name. He was a Jew of all Jews. You know why he said all that, that whole rundown? Because he was preaching Jesus to Jews and they're saying, you're a heretic. He says, but you know who I am? And what he meant by, I'm a Jew of all Jews, you got to remember, when the Solomon's temple, the temple in Solomon's day got destroyed, the Jews got scattered. So a lot of the Jews were born in that time, never got circumcised on the eighth day because there was no temple. There was no sacrifice. Um, their paperwork was destroyed. So when they rebuilt the temple in Jerusalem, a lot of them came up and said, oh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a priest. I'm from the lineage of the priest. I'm, a, I'm from the Levite tribe. I'm from you know, Aaron's, I'm a Aaron, the center of Aaron. They were trying to get work and they were trying to get fed and get paid. But they couldn't prove their lineage because paperwork was destroyed. But Paul was saying, I know who I am. I've got my paperwork. And he went through the whole list. Circumcised on the eighth day in the temple. I'm a true Jew. And he says, and I persecuted the church. But I count all that as dung, rubbish. I won't say it. For the surpassing knowledge to know Jesus. Are you with me? So Paul didn't have more anointing. Paul was just more dead. Paul just died to himself. He didn't want nothing of the flesh. It didn't happen overnight, but he died to flesh and God could use him mightily. He's the one that talks about praying in the spirit more than anybody. Peter even says some of the things Paul writes is hard to understand. The revelation he had because he was getting it straight from spirit to spirit, not from flesh to flesh. And Paul, although he honoured the disciples and honoured the, the leaders of Jerusalem, he didn't care who, what they thought. He knew Jesus. He did what Jesus told him to do. And we're going to be a people like that. A people that understand what grace really is. We say that we're under grace and our lifestyles represents the world. Our lifestyle is no different than our next door neighbour. And we're telling our next door neighbour he's going to hell. I've had people come up to me and goes, mate, that guy's lifestyle, he knows the Bible back to front and he lives like a heathen. Your testimony does not valid. But when the grace of God appears, it, it strengthens us, it empowers us, it enables us to get over. Grace that we had received because of the blood of Jesus cannot be trodden on. The grace of God is a gift from Jesus because He is grace. He is mercy. He is love. And when the grace of God appeared to all mankind, if you look at all the letters of Paul, I challenge you tonight, just quickly go through every epistle. Every epistle, even the, even the other apostles. But you see, Grace and peace from the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and peace from the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and mercy from the Lord Jesus Christ through our Father and our Lord and Saviour. Every epistle starts off, grace and peace, grace and peace, grace and peace. 
He says, you're under grace, not under law. And then he rebukes him for not walking in it. He starts every letter. I challenge you. I did it the other day and went, wow. If it's not in the first couple of uh, scriptures, it's in that paragraph. Grace and peace. Grace and peace. Grace and peace. See, when we receive the grace of God, it's not just for us. Because we get empowered to go and bring people into the kingdom and show them mercy and grace. See, we're not here to judge everything they do. We're here to be empowered to walk it out because your walk will determine, listen to me, your walk will determine your, your testimony. I'm not saying you have to be perfect and you're always perfect and you don't fall. I'm talking about if I, Romans 7 talks about the things I don't want to do, I do. And the things I do, I don't want to do. He says, sin is in my members. Sin, sin, sin is inside me. And people stop there and then they justify it. Oh, I did that because of the devil. I did this because of the devil. I did this because of my flesh. I did that because that's who I am. And we make all these excuses. But the first thing you do when you fall, please hear my heart here. The first thing when you fall and mess up, don't justify it. Repent of it. Confess it. Don't justify it. Confess it. Say the light of Jesus comes in. Because the more you justify it, the more you empower the devil in your life and strengthen the flesh. But the more I confess it, Jesus comes into that place. Because he says in Romans 7, Oh, wretched man that I am, who's going to save me from this body of death? He goes, but thanks be to God, for there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, Romans 8. Those who walk according to the Spirit, not according to the flesh. We live in this world and the flesh is stronger than you think. <laughs> Try sitting down for five minutes. And say, all right, turn everything off. We did this once in our Bible studies. He goes, oh, I can do this. I can do that. Come here, sit down. He sat down for five minutes. He went to grab his phone. No, touch the phone. Sit there. Just sit there for five minutes. Two minutes, he's trying to grab his phone. He's, he's itching. He's scratching. He's having a heart attack. He's doing something. He couldn't sit for five minutes. I go, you know how strong your flesh is? But the devil will make you watch a dumb movie for four hours. It's boring. And after you've watched it, you'll say, oh, what a waste of four hours. But the minute you open your Bible, you're asleep. The minute you want to worship God, I've got to mow the lawn. For me, it's doing the washing and doing the dishes. I repent. Well, I says, confess your sins, all right? <laughs> Thank God for dishwashers. I better stop right there if I get in trouble. The flesh cannot be redeemed on this earth. The day Jesus returns and gives us a new body, that means the flesh will be like Christ. But up until then, the Bible says, crucify your flesh daily. Put it to bed. Mortify the deeds of the flesh. Don't give in to the flesh. Why? You know the devil, we've accused the devil for everything. He can sue us for defamation because half the stuff he goes, it's not me. <laughs> We blame him for everything. We never take a responsibility for our own world. I'm not saying the devil's not prowling around waiting. The Bible says, the other scripture says, stay sober. What does the Bible say? In, um, it says, the, your, your adversary, the devil, roams around like a roaring lion waiting for a pounce. He's waiting for an opportunity to pounce on you. He's just waiting. He's only restricted to the earth realm. He's restricted to what you give him. But by the grace of God, everyone say the grace of God, I can be empowered to overcome. 
You spend enough time with Jesus and you'll hate the sin that you think you can't get out of. <laughs> you start, it'll be disgusting. Have you heard of a smoker trying to give up smoking and it's hard? <laughs> I wasn't asking questions. <laughs> no condemnation, all right? But most people that say they give up smoking, it's tough. It's not only a habit, it's, an, it's a chemical addiction. It's a spiritual addiction. And then you talk to them 10 years later and they've given up smoking and they can't stand the smoke anymore. They walk past someone, they go, ooh. Yeah, this is the guy who smoked three packs a day. What happened? He got to a point where he hated that thing. Let God help you through that. God can help you. I hate it when people say, well, it's just the way it is. I'm praise God that he saved me, but this is just the way. No, 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 don't accept. Don't accept failure. Listen, some people will leave this earth, never get healed and go into heaven. But don't accept failure. Don't accept, well, this is enough for me. Don't stop God and limit God because, you know what? No, no, strive. Don't let it be your burden. Strive. Until you get healed, I'm going to preach the gospel. Till I, you know what I mean? There's a guy there with no arms and no legs. Nick, um, Nick, Nick, what's his name? He's an Aussie guy, born with no arms, no legs. He's led more people to the Lord around the world than most preachers with a disability. Why? At first, he wanted to kill himself. But then he realized, I believe in for healing. I'm believing for arms to grow back on legs. But until that happens, I'm going to preach the gospel. Wow, man. He goes into jails, this guy, and leads people to the Lord. No arms, no legs. You got to look him up. Jesus is our grace. If you meditate on him enough, why do we say praying tongues? To get more grace? You can't get more of Jesus if you've got Jesus, true? But when I pray in the Spirit and I fast and I worship and I meditate on the Word and I come in fellowship, what am I doing? I'm, 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 I'm ripping up everything. I'm, I'm giving myself over to the Holy Spirit. I'm ripping everything that's around me that's natural so all I can see is Jesus. And then I can live my life. And I don't want to make this as a condemnation to anyone here. Even... Even in your struggles, keep serving him because you're not your struggles. I learned a long time ago, even in my struggles, I'm not my struggles. I'm, that's not who I am. I may have failed, but I'm not a failure. I may have messed up, but I'm not a mess. I may have sinned, but I'm no longer a sinner. He saved me by his grace. If there's anything that you get out of tonight, because I want to show a video shortly, and I want to explain something. But before we do that, you can go to John chapter 8, verse 3. John chapter 8, verse 3. I'm not going to read the whole lot, but we know this story. It's, um, it's the, when the Pharisees brought to Jesus a woman that was committing adultery. Everyone knows that story. Come on. And when I was meditating on this, that these Pharisees caught a woman in the act. Now, if you get, and I don't want to get into every nitty-gritty because really they were sinning. One, to grab her in the act. What were they doing watching? So they broke the law of Moses there. Then they touched the woman who was naked, which is a Pharisee that can't do that. So they broke on another law. But they're willing to do all that, drag her out in Jerusalem, throw her in front of Jesus and say, the law says of Moses, this woman was caught in the act of adultery and the law says to stone her. They were trying to trap Jesus. And he says, what do you say? Can we get in verse 5? 
6. They said, testing him, that they might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down, wrote on the ground with his finger, as, they, as, the, as though he did not hear them. The next verse, we might as well keep going. So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said to him, He who is without sin among you, let him throw the first stone at her. He said, we'll keep reading in a sec. He said, okay. He didn't say she didn't deserve it. He didn't say she wasn't a sinner. He didn't say she didn't, didn't, um, didn't, that was her a guilt. And that's the law of Moses. He said, okay. If you obviously brought it to me to make a judgment, I'll make a judgment. And he, then he answered him. He just pretended he didn't even hear him. And he wrote it on the ground. He got up and says, all right. If any of you haven't sinned and you're righteous, stoner. And the Bible says, next verse. And then he, sorry, he stooped down again and started writing. Next verse. And those who heard him being convicted by their conscience went out one by one, beginning from the oldest even to the last, which is the youngest, another translation says. And Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in his midst. So he said to them, all right. If you want to be the judge and jury and you want to use Moses as your barrister, <laughs> I said, okay, stoner, if you haven't sinned. And they couldn't. The Bible says from the oldest got convicted to the youngest. So the oldest Pharisees were leading the charge and the youngest were following. And what had happened? They dropped their stones one by one and they left. Now you're thinking of a little stone? They were holding boulders and they were holding buckets and they had a wheelbarrow full of them. It wasn't just little pebbles. And now it's only her and Jesus left. Next verse. And when Jesus had raised himself up and saw her, one, no one there but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are your accusers? Has no one condemned you? Who's the accuser of the brethren? Can't hear. The Bible says the accuser of the brethren day and night before God is the devil. He sits there day and night accusing you. They came and brought an accusation. Next verse. He said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Was she guilty? Jesus never said she wasn't. She was guilty. Look what happens here. She gets accused for an act. Now we can get into all the nitty gritty, but I want to show you something here. Jesus was a rabbi. Jesus has to fulfill the law. This woman, this woman was caught in the act. We can argue that, where is the bloke? What were you doing there? How did you catch her? Did you set her up? And there's other, there's other testimonies in the, in, in the Leviticus laws about eating dust and throwing at the mouth to see if she's committing adulteries, all this stuff. But one of the revelations God showed me was he went on the ground and he wrote. The ground in Jerusalem was made out of stone, cobblestone. He wrote on the ground, got up and said, stoner if you, if you can. Then he wrote on the ground again. He wrote twice. There's many revelations of this. Raps has got a really awesome one. But one that God showed me was that when they brought the lady to Jesus, and they were saying the law of Moses, which God gave, said this is what should happen to this girl because she's guilty. And Jesus kneels down on the ground and writes on the ground with his finger. If you read when Moses got the law, the Bible says that God gave the law to Moses through his finger. He wrote on stones of tablet, the Ten Commandments. And he's basically saying to them, well, you want to bring the law that I gave you? I wrote the law. Okay, no worries. And he says, now stoner. And they couldn't stoner. And he went back and wrote it again on the ground. Why did he do it twice? Because Moses broke the Ten Commandments. He had to go back and get them again. He was showing them, you brought me. What you did was rightful. 
because I'm the true judge and I'm not going to condemn her. Why? Because I'm full of grace. And I can turn around and condemn you all because what you did was wrong. And look what he did here. This woman, naked, in public, broken, dragged, humiliated, in public, gets thrown in front of a rabbi. She would have heard of Jesus. She would have heard the testimonies and what he was doing in Jerusalem. And she encountered grace. She encountered the unmerited favor of God. And look what he says to her. Who condemns you here? No one, Lord. And then and she's looking at him as if, are you going to condemn me? Because even I don't condemn you. Grace and mercy came that day to that lady. And then he justified her by saying, you know what he said to her? This, everyone forgets this one. Go and sin no more. That woman followed him for the rest of his life. She received the grace of God. She received the mercy of God. She saw the person of grace. Then he empowered her and said, go, live your life, but don't go down to that road anymore. That woman would have saw him. She was probably one of the women at the cross because the Bible says there was many women at the cross. The disciples left and she was there. She saw him crucified. She saw the mercy and grace of God on the cross. And she's thinking, I've received this mercy. And he's dying on a cross. And guess what he, she hears him say? Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. And she would have said, that's what he did for me. And the Lord empowered her. She followed him for the rest of her life, which means she didn't just receive grace and go home. You know what she did? She got empowered by grace because she followed grace because she served grace. She gave her life for grace. You know what she did? She followed Jesus for the rest of her life. And grace now is the victory in her life. Can we play that video? And then I'll close. Just watch this video. It goes for four minutes. And I want to just share something and we'll close. Good to me, his word 
stand that's the modern version of Amazing Grace and if you've been around long enough you know that Amazing Grace is probably the most sung hymn in the world but I don't know if you know this and um, it's always interesting to see where these songs come out of modern day worship is pumped in and pumped out pretty quickly but this stuff was written in the 1700s late 1700s by a man by a name named John Newton John Newton was an Anglican minister who was trading slaves. Think of that one for a second. He was a minister of the gospel and he was trading slaves on boats and then later on became an investor for slavery. He would pay money, buy boats, and it was a business. And John Newton here is in in an industry which was very common and accepted in those days, trading slaves, black slaves. Not only did they trade slaves, a lot of the slave traders, because they were a commodity, they were like a piece of meat. They were worth money. And the bigger you are, the stronger you are, the more money they got. But do you know if you got a little bit sick or if you got injured or you got a little bit old, they'd throw you off the boat and claim the insurance because you're worth more money to them dead than alive. This is the trading. This is what was happening. And John Newton gets saved. And John Newton now writes and pens down these words. The, the end of this song is, is being added to, but the original verse, the first verse, verse part of the, the song is, Amazing grace, how sweet the sound, how you saved a wretch like me. A wretch, he's like, 
I was once lost, now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. This man was trading human beings in, in trafficking and slavery and human sac uh, sacrifice and human suffering. And this guy gets a touch of grace, the Holy Spirit in his life. He says, I'm a wretch. How do you save someone? But that's the amazing grace of God. And he, 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 he's running a church and now he, he um, gets involved. There's a young man in his church named William Wilberforce. And he was in the politics of, in England at the time. And he says, he was a man of God. And he says, I'm going to leave politics. And he says, please don't leave. God is using you in politics. Stay there and, and, and do what you can to abolish this slavery. And it comes in, the, I think it's 1790, they eventually abolished slavery because of William Wilberforce. Because they petitioned. Uh, you got to watch the movie Amazing Grace. It's amazing. Grace. If you watch it, you see William Wilberforce, he was mentored by this pastor and he would beg him not to leave because you don't know what I feel. You don't know what, I, what I've done. And this amazing grace of God that I was trading his, his children like animals and he saved a wretch like me. And William Wilberforce comes in and they abolish slavery today in, in, that, in that time. First time it was in England. Every time you say, listen to me, guys. Every time you say, amazing grace, I'm saved by grace. I'm not under law, I'm under grace. When you say it, think of the cross and see if you can say it with any, any part of you saying, you know, I'm under grace, I can do what I want. That's the pit from hell, that's the lie from the pit of hell. I'm not here to hurt you, I'm not here to condemn you because we're going to fall, but the amazing grace of God lifts us up. We walk one step at a time towards our loving Father, our loving Saviour. I can talk, I can look around the room now and you can tell me where you come from. And then you can look back and say, man, I can't believe I've come this far. You may not be where you want to be. I'm not where I want to be, but I'll tell you what, I'm a lot further than where I was. Come on, the world is waiting for the church to rise up. Not just the building and the organization, he's waiting for the sons of God to be revealed. The Holy Spirit hasn't got, lost his power. The grace of God hasn't lost its power. The blood of Jesus hasn't lost its power. But the grace of God, amazing grace. If God, listen to me, for those who find it hard to receive, I think that's another lie from hell. You don't find it hard to receive. You just find it hard to receive from God because you, you receive from the other side every day. It's about time. It's just a decision. Step forward. I've shared enough scripture and told you enough stories about how merciful our God is. Abel kills his brother. Sorry, Cain kills Abel, I should say. And the Bible says that the blood of Abel cries out and God says, I can hear, the, I can hear Abel crying. Where is your brother? He's like, oh, what am I, his keeper? What have you done? The blood cries out for vengeance. The scripture says that the blood of Jesus cries out louder than Abel's blood. Abel's blood cries out for vengeance, but Jesus' blood cries out for mercy. And tonight, if you haven't accepted his mercy and you still don't know if you're loved, you still don't know where you're going. Tonight is the night to put it to bed so you can go into your next dimension of your life, the next, the next part of your phase of life. You don't have to look back anymore. You go forward into the things of the Spirit. God wants to give us so much more. And I'm not talking about cars and houses and jobs. So much more in Him. So much more in Him. So much more that when you can walk, we're not where we want to be because there's still people sick in hospital when we should be getting them out of the hospital. We're not where we want to be when people are still living in a sin, sinful lifestyle when they should be seeing the grace of God. People living in poverty. 
Today is the day of your salvation. So, Father, I thank you tonight. If there's anyone in this room, Lord, anyone, this is not an invitation. This is, uh, I'm begging you to understand how much Jesus loves you. The amazing grace of God. Now, you could not be like that guy, John Newton, that, you know, traded slaves. Or you're not like that woman that was committing adultery. Or you not might be like Cain who murdered his brother. You could be the victim of something. You could be the one that is, is hurting because life didn't go the way it was supposed to. Or you grew up in a dysfunctional family or you were let down by a spouse or your kids are off the rails or someone's taken something from you. Or maybe you just did not do what you were supposed to do and you hate yourself for it. I've got one word for you. Jesus is the answer. That's the only thing I can give you is Jesus. Because you cannot stay the same when you encounter Jesus. And no matter what I go through, you can't get the smile off my face. I could be in the down, I could be depressed, I could be busted, but I look at Jesus and say, He is my source of life. He's not just a good notion or a good idea. He is the lover of my soul. And in that woman committing adultery right at the end, Jesus, they keep probing Jesus and it says, I give life. I'm the light of life to those who follow me. And that young lady followed Jesus, the enabling grace, the healing grace, the sovereign grace, the powerful grace. And grace leads you to who? The Father. Because he wants his family back. And if you don't know Jesus like that, If you're struggling, I'm not here to condemn you. I'm not here to tell you the 10 steps how to get better. Just bow your knee to the Lord. Fall on your face and say, Lord, I need you. Because he's there. The Bible says he stands at the door and knocks. He's a gentleman. He won't force him way in. If you don't know Jesus like that, I'll give you, an, I beg you, Come and give your life to Jesus. Or if you're a believer and you're struggling, just reach out and touch the hem of his garment. Lift your hands up and touch the, try and touch heaven. Hallelujah. So Father, I thank you tonight. Amazing grace that you bestowed upon us. How sweet the sound that you can save a wretch like us. We were lost and now we're found. We were blind, but now we see. Let us see you in your glory, Father. Today we see you with no more veils, with open eyes, and we see your glory. And we pour our heart to you, Lord, and say, we, you know, the last words of Jesus was, Father, into your hands I give you my spirit. That should be our prayer. Father, in your hands I give you my spirit. I give you my soul. I give you my flesh. It's all yours. So Lord, I thank you tonight. I thank you, Father, that your grace is sufficient. That when while we were weak, you are strong. No weapon formed against my, my brothers and sisters shall prosper. You're a loving Father that sent your Son to die for us. But you didn't stop there. You gave us the great Holy Spirit. 
Empower us, Holy Spirit. Comfort us that need to be comforted. Help those that need to be helped. Teach those that need to be taught. Empower those that need to be empowered. And guide us into all truth. I give you praise and honor tonight. I thank you, Father. I thank you for the mighty Holy Spirit. I thank you, Father, that our spirits are open to hear the love of the Father. If you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father. And Lord, I pray that people get baptized right now in their seats with the Holy Spirit right now. It's not about man, it's about God. It's time, it's time for us to be one-on-one, -on -one, just like that woman. When the accuser gets taken out of the way, which she did at the cross 2,000 years ago, it's just you and Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Father. Hallelujah, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You don't want to be the same, Lord. Purge what's not of you, Father. Lord, let us minds be renewed to the mind of Christ. Not to the mind of religion, not to the mind of this world, but to the mind of Christ. And let the joy of the Lord be our strength. I pray this prayer in the mighty name of Jesus. I thank you, Father. You're a good God. Your mercies are new every morning. And we give you all the glory. We give you all the honor. We give you all the praise in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.